guys. Welcome to episode 38 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at FanBolt.com. My name is Chicago Mickelson. I'm a contract designer and independent filmmaker. That's not even, there was nothing even funny there. I just said it. I know. Yeah. You yeah. just said what you actually do. Yeah, that's that seems pointless. Ah, next time I'll do better. <laughs> Again, I'll do better next time. Well, episode 38, though, we are now catching up to my age. Very quickly. Oh snap! Yeah, yeah. When these when these weeks are years, man, it goes a lot faster. It does. It does. We're, we're going to have to do something special for our one year anniversary. Yeah, we're going to have to figure something out. We're going to. I mean, we only have a budget of like what two point three million dollars, so we got to make sure we don't let our fans down. Yeah, we gotta we gotta be wise with that. Yeah, that two point three million. <laughs> yes, yes, fam. <laughs> Um, well, we have a really cool show this week. We uh, are going to talk a little bit about Walker Stalker Con Charlotte, and I had a really awesome interview with Michael Cutlass, who of course plays Abraham or did play Abraham. Spoiler alert: if you're not up to date on The Walking Dead, um, but uh, that whole that whole interview is spoilerish if you're not up to date. So too late now. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we have some uh, box office results to talk about how Rogue One did this weekend. And our movie review for the week is going to be Passengers, which I just saw last night starring uh, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence, which, of course, shot here in Georgia. And uh, that's our that's our show for this week. So that's exciting. Let's dive. Let's, let's actually, dive right into it. Let's actually do <laughs> said show. Let's do it. Um, so I was in Charlotte this weekend for Walker Stalker Con. It was our last one of the year. And. It was pretty awesome. It was definitely, it felt kind of like an end-of-the-year convention, like everyone was kind of in holiday mode. It was nice and chill, and um, it was just, a, it was a really great show. We had so many puppies in the green room, just from people like <laughs> um, cast, cast members that had brought their, their pets, or, you know, uh, various crew people that had brought their pets, and it was just like, it was so, I, I really want them to do that every time, because I just loved being surrounded by puppies. It's a green room and also puppy room, which is exciting. But before we really dive in there, like, how did you get? How did you get to the Walker oh. Soccer Con in Charlotte, North Carolina? Why? Thank you for asking, Jakai. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I drove my uh, my Kia Optima, my twenty seven Kia Optima, up there, which uh, was dropped off last week, and. It's. I'm so grateful that they hooked me up with this car because when I found out I was going to need to drive to Charlotte, I was like, my poor little RAV4 is not going to make it up there because um, I've been having some brake issues with it and I just didn't want to didn't want to test it um, that far of a journey. Uh, so <laughs> I, I rode up there in uh, the Kia Optima, which of course is the the car that Krista and Ming and I took on our road trip to Nashville a couple of weeks ago. And I continue to love that car. I'm getting a little bit more familiar with it now. Um, seat cooler is still obviously my, my favorite component of that vehicle. But uh, <laughs> it's going to be really hard to go back. I, I have the car through January 5th, and I I don't know how I'm going to go back after this. I'm getting so used to it and just like having modern-day conveniences. It's... It's so nice. It's such a great car. It really is. And I'm not just saying that because they like hooked me up with a free car for <laughs> for a month, but uh, it really is a cool a cool car. Um, yeah, it's it, it handled uh, it handled great. Handled everything. Everything went well. There's two things. Number one, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm in awe of your um, uh, ability to actually get a car that they let you use for free to to drive up to the thing, which is super awesome. Especially a nice car that's yeah. usable. And and secondly, I I kind of want to hug your Rav Four and and tell it it's going to be okay. I know, me too, me too. <laughs> I mean, my Rav Four is the only car I've ever had. I got it when I was sixteen, many moons ago, and it's been a great car. It's really, really been a great car, and I've I've taken good care of it, and it's it's lasted. But uh, starting to have some brake problems and some other things going wrong, and. You know, I'd have always said that my goal with it was to drive it until I got the antique tag on it, which is only another five years. So, fingers crossed. Is it so, what what is an antique? What, what is this? Twenty five years. Twenty five years. It, yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Now I feel like I have that goal with my two thousand four runner. <laughs> what a what a scary goal to have. Yeah, yeah, you've got a little bit further to go than I do. <laughs> so. Yeah, I do. I do. Four years. Four years further. <laughs> um. But anyways, that's uh, 
that was that was how I got to Charlotte. And once <laughs> that's I that's cool. So so you went to Charlotte in style, and then also arrived in style, and then there were dogs. And then uh, there were the dogs, room. and it was great. And, uh, a lot of well-trained dogs, apparently, because it doesn't sound like it was a very stinky. No, they room. were they were all very well trained and like very chill, considering like they're at a convention where there's lots of you know you can hear the panels going on and there's lots of loud right. music and loud talking and just you know people like constantly moving around and they're just like chill, they're super chill. Um, I had a couple of pictures in my uh, my Insta stories. It was like two two Yorkies that were like sleeping on top of each other, just like totally zonked out in the green room and it was like the cutest thing ever and it, I just I don't know when I see dogs that are so well behaved I kind of wonder what I what I should have done differently <laughs> with my own my oh, own no. Yorkie but uh she's uh <laughs> she was when she was their age she was a lot more all over the place and kind of crazy but uh it was it was so much fun and getting to hang out not only doing the interviews that I got to do but um, seeing everyone for one last time this year, and we had a big staff Christmas party at this Brazilian steakhouse, and I'd never actually been to a Brazilian steakhouse, so the whole, like, flipping the card over from yes to no to, like, show you want them to come by with, like, more meat, and um, <laughs> so that was that was cool and super, super tasty, and we did, uh, you know, the Secret Santa kind of uh, gift-stealing game where you have numbers, right. and then you can go grab a gift or steal a gift. And I ended up with this ginormous flask and like um, a bunch of like little mini bottles of various types of whiskey. So I I consider that a success. I mean, the thing is, like when you have a flask, the whole point is you're trying to be discreet with the fact that you're carrying, you know, liquor. And this is like this is something that I could wear as like a bulletproof shield on my chest. It's like huge. It's a huge (laughs) flask. Well, that's it. But that could be a good way to wear it. You just kind of wear it in front. Yeah. Right? And then you just put a straw in it. And then you're kind of you're both protected and you're inebriated. <laughs> yeah, you know. it's a, it's the best of both worlds, I guess. It's a bulletproof drunk uh, vest. <laughs> it sounds trademarked. Like yeah. Horrible combination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then, of course, uh, Ming was up there and we went around to a bunch of different restaurants and hung out. We went to this one place on Saturday night that was super cool. It was, um, it literally was like every genre of a place. Um, it was called, it was like 8.2.0 and it was a beer garden, a speakeasy, a dance floor, a karaoke bar, then just like a normal nice luxury bar. Like it had all of these different like rooms that were different kind of like pockets and it was just such a cool weird combination of places but it was it was so much fun and then on a friday night we went out in a neighborhood called um noda and which is like north of something i can't remember what it stands for um but it was a really cool little neighborhood too i wish we'd had more more time over there to kind of hang out and chill but uh it was it was a blast, and we ended up doing a party at a place called uh, the Roxbury that night in downtown Charlotte, which is like this '80s and '90s themed bar. Yeah. And the memorabilia in that place, like if you ever go to Charlotte, go to the Roxbury because it's just the coolest vibe inside. They're playing '80s and '90s movies, and like the music is amazing. They actually have like a downstairs dance floor where they were spinning actual vinyl. Which oh wow! Was really cool. Like- Actual vinyl. Actual vinyl. Yeah. What, what was it? What was it? Vinyl with like uh, the the MacBook Pro in between the vinyl, or was it actual old school? I'm a DJ. I don't have my computer. It was actual old school. I don't <gasps> have a computer, DJ. Oh my god! Yeah, it was really cool. It was really yeah. really cool. Um, so I anyone like that's the coolest place that I saw in Charlotte while I was there. I definitely. Um, recommend people checking it out, and that that neighborhood too was super cute. Um, they're they're fairly far apart from each other, probably about a twenty minute drive between like downtown and then the the Noda area. Um, but it was super cute, super cute, and nice. Had a good time. Convention went really well. Um, I got to interview, of course, Michael Cutlass, and then also Alicia Witt, who is um, not only an actress but also a singer songwriter. And we'll have her on a, a future episode, but uh, we talked a little bit about she's going to be in the new Twin Peaks that's coming up. She's reprising her role that she had in the original. Um, oh. very, very brief amount. She couldn't talk about it uh, 
too much other than to say, you know, she's she has a small part in this and they actually only gave her um, the script for her part. So she really doesn't have a good idea of what the bigger picture of all of it looks like. So they're still, you know, kind of keeping all of that under wraps, even from the cast members, which is kind of cool. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a great weekend though. It's, it's hard to come back from like something that's such high energy and, and just so much fun back into like the normal, the normal life of, especially right before a holiday and you're trying to get everything done and it's just, right. it's a crazy week, but it was a really fun weekend. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. We, uh, we squeezed in a, uh, a very quick trip out to Los Angeles. That was a last second thing that actually ended up being Zax's first ever uh, flight. So Aww. if you're gonna if you're gonna go, you may as well make the first flight ever over five hours. Um, but uh, it went well. It, it was fun. We we had a same thing. We had a holiday party, and uh, I brilliantly thought, oh, I will drink a Colt forty five. And then even at the bar, it's like a very trendy bar, the St. Felix in uh, in Hollywood, and they they actually serve it to you in a uh, brown paper bag. So it's almost <laughs> like a flask. It's you're keeping a low profile. I but, like uh, it. It was uh, it was super good times from uh, from I, I will admit the, at the time ha ha cold forty five this is hilarious next morning not so not a not funny not funny <laughs> yeah so that's how that went but it was uh, it was really cool we got a chance to catch up with some friends and throw Zach's into the arms of many people who haven't had a chance to meet him yet so but it's same thing and now we like have all that and then we're back and then we've got to get our ducks in a row for the holidays hooray so it's actually a really fun time right now I'm I'm enjoying it. Oh, well, that's awesome. How did uh, how did he do on the plane? Did he do pretty well? On the way out, it was brilliant. He just slept the whole time. Oh, that's awesome. I, yeah, it was It was like even through the security line and everything, I was just like, like I wanted to tell him how awesome he was doing, but I didn't want to wake him up, of course. So <laughs> right. So let him sleep. Yeah, on the way back, it was a little bit of a bummer because we, it was, there was a lot of delays, and uh, he got a little cranky, but we felt all right because there were seriously 26,000 kids yeah, this plane. It was insane. I was like, oh, of course, it's holiday time. So I didn't feel as bad in that plane. You, I feel like if I go to a place and I see a lot of other kids, I'm like, okay, few, because then he'll just blend in with the other noise. But if right. he's like by himself on a pristine plane, I would be way more stressed <laughs> out. Yeah. Um. Well, that's awesome. That's cool. So you guys are are back in pocket now for the holidays, and you're here for the holidays, right? Uh, we're actually going to uh to Connecticut. For New Year's, so all of Mandy's family can meet the boy. So our stance of we're not after everything that happened when Zach was born. We're like we're not going to go anywhere. We're staying put. Yeah, all of that just went by the wayside. <laughs> yeah. So much for a low key holiday. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Let me tell you. But it's it's been good, and we and yeah. So so yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time. But we did not get to fly a Kia. Oh, west. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's always next time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, well, cool. Let's uh, let's hop on into our, our interview, and I should preference this by by saying there this isn't the best audio in the world. I know Jakai's been kind of messing with it a little bit to make it better. I was in right off the green room, which is right next to the panel, and there was a panel going on during this interview, so it was a little kind of crazy back there when we were recording. But uh, it's a really great interview, and. Cutlass kind of talked to me about, I didn't want to dive into the the whole, you know, premiere episode because I feel like he's talked about that so much, but I was kind of interested in the whole process of him keeping everything under wraps and kind of the extremes that he went to, to, um, you know, mislead people. And I thought that that, that was a really cool conversation that we had. And then there was some, a few other things. He actually talked about um, being in Kings of Con, which, you know, we had those guys on a couple of weeks ago and now, um, Michael Cutlass is going to be in the episode, which I believe premieres on January 3rd. And his publicist gave me the green light to, to go ahead and like talk to him about that and have him talk about that because it's been under wraps. Um, so we talked a little bit about that and then favorite Christmas movies and um, a bunch of other <laughs> stuff. So <laughs> we could just, we, you know, actually, let's not even listen to the interview. Let's just tell them everything that you talked about. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's like, well, if you can't hear it because of the audio quality, then no, you, just you, sum it you all can't, up. You can hear it. I've, 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 I've got it. Well, listen, it's mostly it's totally listenable. So everybody, please enjoy it. Also, uh, earmuffs a couple times because this guy doesn't mess around with uh, with the potty mouth. Nope, not at all. <laughs> uh, short and sweet for you. Well, it'll be short. We'll figure out if it's going to be sweet. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, 
So, I know you've talked a lot about everything that's happened this season in that first episode, but can you talk a little bit about keeping the secret and kind of the links that you had to go to to, to keep all of that under wraps? Yeah, the, the keeping the secret part was interesting because um, it's hard now to keep it a secret because there's there's a group out there that is sort of hell-bent on ruining the secret for everybody. Right. And, they, and they sort of hide behind the guys that they're just going off of photos on set or people that they see come and go. And they're just full of shit. Like, right. straight up full of shit. They have somebody on set who's sending them information and they're lying. So their job is to, they've chosen to ruin it for fans. So I had actually shown up on set, you know, so if they were actually doing that, they were, you know, I'd shown up multiple times throughout the season. I actually right. shadowed Greg Nicotero directing episode three. I was on set every single day for episodes one, two, and three. And wow. they were reporting he hasn't been seen on set since episode one. So they're just straight up full of shit. Right. So fuck those guys. <laughs> right. So the lengths that we were going to was to, if people, normal people who are out there just seeing us coming and going would be confused. Because that's all we have to do is just confuse them enough so they don't know exactly what's going on. Right. So I kept my hair color the same color. Um, I would travel back and forth. If I had any other traveling to do during the summer, I would uh, do a layover in Atlanta. I'd go to all my restaurants that I would go to in town and do all that. Um, so it was just it was just a matter of just you know keeping up the idea that I was back and forth you know right, right. Um, so it, it was it, that was part was pretty easy because after a while you come and you're coming and going and people just they just don't know they just stop asking so right it, it was fun it was great but it was it was nice to eventually sort of have have the secret out and yeah. talk about it you didn't have to worry about it anymore yeah exactly <laughs> um, well looking back I mean you've I, I loved you so much in Southland. That was one of my favorite shows. So I was thrilled when you came on to Walking Dead. And I have to ask, um, you know, having done lengthy projects before, what do you feel you're taking away from Walking Dead in terms of um, what you learned as far as acting and, and how it stretched you as an actor on the show? Um, I, I, hopefully, if we're doing it right, we're learning something on every job we do. Right. Um, what I loved is that... There's a lot of cast members um, on this show that uh, don't have a huge body of work. They're at the, they're at the front end of their career, right. and they're all fantastic. And I find I learn most from the younger actors than I do from the, the guys who've been doing this longer. Right. Um, and insofar as how I approach work and, and reminding me every day that, that there is no... Uh, there's no easy way to do it. Right. You know, you, you don't want to fall back on tricks. You don't want to fall back on things that you know will work, things that are comfortable. Um, and the great thing about this show is that the, the stakes and the, the the needs of the characters are all heightened. You know, right. we're sort of we sort of have a safety net with the the graphic novel. It allows us to go bigger. As long right. as everything's grounded in reality, we can we can go much bigger than say even uh, Fear the Walking Dead, which is much more grounded in reality. Right. Um, some of our characters would look ridiculous in that world. Right. Um, but we have a permission slip because of the graphic novel, and the audience has has come along with us. So it's 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 a lot of fun, and I, I hopefully I never stop learning. You know, yeah. it's that's what makes it fun. Cool. Um, favorite fan moment since your episode aired? How how did fans react to you? You they know, in Atlanta when they pretty saw busted you? up. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of crying. A lot, which is awesome because. When somebody cries and gets upset, you know that you've affected them in a, in a very large way. You've connected yeah. with them. You know, they don't, they keep saying how, uh, uh, you know, the, these deaths were the most brutal deaths, these deaths were the most graphic death. They weren't. They weren't. You know, the Noah's death was way more graphic. Way more graphic. There's been so many more things that have been much more graphic. The problem is, or, or the, 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 the difference is, is that you cared so much about both of these characters. Right. That's why it hurts. It doesn't hurt because it's graphic. It doesn't hurt because because it's you know uh, you know uh, any more graphic than anything else. It hurts because you care. Right. So right. mission accomplished for yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, you did it right. <laughs> exactly. Good job. Yeah. Um, I talked with um, Kings of Con guys back in October, and they kind of awesome. they gave me a little spoiler alert that you were coming on. I am. And then they told me I couldn't talk about it. But then I talked with their publicist today. <laughs> and then I like, talk now. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, now they want you to talk about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> so I wanted to ask about that and uh, how you came to be in that and, and what, what your, your role in that is. Um, I've known Richard Spade, uh, who is uh, the director, I believe, of every one of the episodes, and he wrote it, co-wrote it with uh, 
with his buddy, and I'm so sorry I can't remember his Rob buddy's Bivins. name. Yes, yeah. thank you. I got you. <laughs> so, um, Rob, uh, who is an awesome. I've met him a number of times, but um, the first time I met him was doing. Uh, Richard did a, a couple episodes of uh, Supernatural. He played uh, Archangel Gabriel, and I believe he came back a number of years later as a completely different character on the show. And he's since directed a couple of episodes. But what he does is. Um, he does like he runs the karaoke for them. Like there's an, another uh, fan group that that runs this Supernatural weekends, and it's a whole weekend for the fans. So like when they come in on Friday, if you're there on Friday night, they offer you karaoke and some other stuff, and then the Saturday night they offer you other. So it's like this. They have a fan base very similar to our fan base. Um, they travel together. They have met each other. They have friends from all over the world right. that come and they meet at these conventions. You know, very much like ours. Um, and they offer a whole weekend for these guys when they come into town. And I went out one night and did karaoke with them. I was one of the guest people, which is ridiculous because I don't sing or dance or anything. It's, it's kind of weird. But, and Richard keeps wanting me to come back, which is the, it's the most awkward thing in the world for me. Because I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do the karaoke, but I love hanging out with Richard. Because I met Richard initially doing Band of Brothers, um, which was in, uh, we shot in 2000 and aired in 2001. So... So what is what is your is it is it too spoilerish to say what you're you're doing? Uh, well, I wouldn't even say what we did other than it's just a blast. It's this sort of awesome take about you know tongue in cheek look at um, the the the, circuit, the convention circuit, right? You know, and it's I've never had these situations happen, but there are, there are like tiny bits of truth in it that have been right. taken to a to a really really wonderfully far extreme. And it's 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 really a loving look at it, and it's all light, and it's fun, and you know Richard is amazingly amazingly talented, as is Rob, yeah. and uh, the you know the scripts are great, and I had a great time doing it. You know, of course I look exactly like Abraham, dressed completely <laughs> different because I was in the middle of shooting. Right. But right. so it's, it'll be fun to see. And but he says uh, he says the episode's fantastic, and I'm going to take him at his word for it. And I think it's I think it airs January third. So. Okay. Um, so yeah, keep your eyes out. But the, but Kings of Con is airing now or streaming now, I believe, every week. So yep. look it up. Find it on the internet somewhere. Um, if you put in Kings of Con, it'll, it'll, it'll come up. TV. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I gotcha. I'll, I'll link it up. There you go. Um, so I have to ask, we're coming into award season. Favorite mm-hmm. films of 2016? Ooh. I haven't watched a lot of films. 2016. I don't even know if I can... Any that stand out? No, to you, I can't or? even tell you the last three films I watched. I've been traveling so much and watching so many films. Any that you really want to see? I want to see Assassin's Creed because I'm a, I'm a friend of Michael Fassbender's, and it looks awesome. I've heard it's amazing. Yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah, I mean he's a really terrific actor, and I, I think that when they, you know, much the same with Iron Man, when they when they take these these characters, whether it be a comic book character or, or a video game character. And they tell a story that's character-based with good actors, mm-hmm. and they, they can make it as blown-up action as they want. It's you know, it's just got a recipe for potential massive success because the, it's all character-driven. Right. You know, and so I like anything that's character-driven. Um, I just saw something on a plane a week ago that I was raving about, and I can't, can't remember what it was. <laughs> Honestly, I'm traveling too much. So no, I got no suggestions. No. Assassin's Creed, though. I that's got a no good nothing. Yeah, but that's like, it's, yeah, it's for next year, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, well, on that note, favorite all-time Christmas movie? Oh, A Christmas Story. A Christmas Story. Yeah. Solid. Put that Solid. down. You're going to put your eye out. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Fragile. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. your time. So that was Michael Cutlass, and it's actually funny that you mentioned, um, you mentioned some of his language because I was typing this up for, you know, the highlights of it to go on FanFest. And I was talking to to their editor, Shannon, and I was like, so I took out all of like the F-bombs, but I don't know what you want me to do with the rest because it's, I, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting when you're, when you're running a site, how you handle, right? you know, transcribing some of the, but still like showing the passion behind it without necessarily, um, including all of the words in print format. So, um, but he is a super, super nice guy. And it was really funny because after, after we, we wrapped and I tweeted out, you know, thanking him for, 
for uh, you know the the interview and for his time and all. And then he he tweeted back and, and retweeted me. And then my Twitter just like exploded on Saturday. So it's a nice little fun fun Twitter weekend for me. Nice little little boom. <gasps> yeah. It was, uh, it was a. I was trying to say party and tweet at the same time, and was like with saying twarty, and that's really dumb. That's, <laughs> that that's dumber weird. than a bulletproof trunk vest. <laughs> um, no, I, I actually uh, I thought it was a good interview, and I, I actually liked the fact that uh, he did have such animosity towards those people that are going out of their way to like ruin it for everybody. Right. You know, and he also said something. That I'm like, oh, you know, he's, maybe he's right about like because I was kind of disgusted by the way they killed off him and Glenn, but maybe it is because I cared. So I thought that was kind of an interesting point he also brought up about the show. Me, yeah, me too. Um, I do disagree that that was, you know, he said that he didn't think that that was the most violent death or the most, you know, gruesome right. death they'd had on the show, and they thought that um, uh, 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 Noah's death was worse. And I don't, right. I don't agree with that. I think oh. that this was this was the more gory and gruesome of of the deaths that have been on the show. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I don't think anything like trumps this in terms of, you know, previous deaths on the show. It's just, it's so, I, well, I haven't you? thrown up watching any of the others and I threw up watching this one. So. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's a pretty good measuring stick. I, yeah. I feel like you maybe should have mentioned that. <laughs> I probably should have. I should have been yeah. like, well, I've only thrown up during this yeah. one episode, yeah. not, none of the others. So that says something. So, so first of all, you're wrong in what you've said, uh, Mr. <laughs> Abraham. No, actually, it is a good point, though. But, but I do think there's something that kind of happens with the psychological, right? Because if you, if you talk about like just the pure blood and gut, there have absolutely been way grosser things that have happened. But if you talk about like, if you talk about like, uh, like just the impact it has with kind of being in with these characters, it right. hurts. It feels a lot worse. It's it's way harder to watch. Right. Um, uh, like going way off the rails here for a second. Did you ever see Django Unchained? I have not seen that. Well, I bring it up specifically because there was a scene. Now we're talking about, uh, of course, uh, um, Tarantino, right? Quentin right. Tarantino, who is not one to shy away from blood and gore and blah blah blah. Nope. Um, but the scene that a lot of people told me was like the most disturbing scene in the whole thing is a scene where if you actually watch the film and pay attention, he shows nothing. It's all sound design, and it shows people watching something that's happening. And that always really struck me, especially for a filmmaker like Quentin Tarantino to um, make that kind of move when he's never shy about blood flying everywhere. So anyways, that's that's what kind of ties back around to what he was saying about this. It, it was gross, but I think what made it way worse is that the fact that he was sitting there mumbling, right? When, right. He, when Glenn was dying, like that was way worse than the eyeball on the cheek. It was a combo of the mumble of a character that you love and the eyeball. Right. Because like, like, cause he was, like, tweeting whatever the photo of them, like, backstage, like, hey, here we are in our weird dead makeup, and they're just, like, kind of having a good time. It doesn't... Oh, it's just silly makeup. Right. Like, it's all about context, I guess. I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> get off my soapbox. No, I think that's a fair point. I think the, the emotional kind of damage for the fans with this was way more than, you know, anything that we had experienced in the past. So I think that combined with the, the visuals and and just everything about that episode, the music, the, you know, the tone of the scene, the stress behind that scene, the anticipation of it, and not just the anticipation in that one episode, but what we were left with at the end of last season and that buildup of stress and anxiety. And I felt sick to my stomach after watching, you know, last year's or last season's uh, finale as well, just because I... You know, I didn't know that it wasn't going to happen in that episode. Um, right. So expecting it and, and just the buildup of it made me nauseous, too. Um, so they just did a really great job with the execution of, of that scene. And to me, it's to me, the 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 stress and the emotional um, component to it and then the visuals on top of it, hands down for me personally, makes it the most vivid, you know, gruesome death. That, oh, yeah. That I've, ex that I've seen on the yeah. show. But I, to I totally agree with that sentiment. It's, it's, so there's, diff there's different qualifiers. Right. Because if you're talking about like the straight most gory, it's, it's almost like a different category. Right. Um, but yeah, that, it always really stuck out, out with me with Django Unchained. Because again, Quentin Tarantino has never been like, well, I don't want to be too gratuitous. <laughs> but the fact that even in the context of one of his films, the most powerful moment was one that was implicit, that wasn't shown. Right. It was all about the context of the drama and everything else. And that's that's one of the things that... I think is one of the reasons why people were so up in arms about that episode. Um, 
But anyways, yeah, we, we, like I love, I'm putting on my, like, uh, I'm, I'm suddenly a uh, psychologist <laughs> and uh, I know all things about that kind of storytelling. So there you have it. Well, that's super cool. You got a chance to sit down with him. Uh, was he was he still sporting the mustache? He is. He's still sporting the mustache. So uh, I don't know if he's. I imagine that when he gets a you know another big role in something, he probably won't have that anymore. Um, I yeah. do know that he has that look for his uh, part in Kings of Con, um, right. which he kind of you know alluded to in this because he was still involved in in filming and shooting for for Walking Dead when he shot that. So. Um, yeah, I don't. It's going to be weird to see him without it at some point. It's. I see. I have this poster um, that I was cleaning out some some old promotional items, and I have this uh, poster from Southland, which was um, a really brilliant, dark, well done cop show um, that aired on uh, I think it was TNT uh, yeah. many moons ago, and he was in that along with Ben McKenzie, of course, who's now in Gotham. And uh, it's just such a great show. And he looks so different in it because he doesn't have the facial hair that it almost seems like just like a different person. Um, it's just you've gotten so used to seeing him with the mustache now that without he just looks weird. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, he mentioned he mentioned Banner Brothers, which which I really liked. I mean, I hadn't seen it for a while, but I'll fully admit that when he joined Walking Dead, I did not recognize him from Band of Brothers. Right. I don't know if he had a huge role or small role in it, but I was like, oh, well, I feel like a horrible fan because... Yeah, because he, he's, a, he's a good actor, and that's kudos to you if you can disappear just because of a mustache. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's a, a good uh, good disguise. Yeah. Um, yeah. But talking about, um, you know, he hasn't really seen a whole lot of movies this year, but wants to see Assassin's Creed, which, of course, I know there was a screening for today, which I didn't get the chance to go to. Um, I'm not hearing great things about it, which is surprising because before today and before some of my, my friends saw it, I was hearing good things. Ah. Um, so I'm kind of, I don't know if the expectations were a bit too high or maybe the people that had seen it that enjoyed it were, you know, diehard fans of the game. My understanding is that it's based on the second game, um, which, you know, uh, fans of it uh, say that that is the, the best one out of all the games. But... Um, Beyond that, I don't know. We'll see how it does at the box office here um, next next go around. But uh, this time around, we had uh, the de- debut of Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, which landed at the top of the box office. Not a big surprise. <laughs> um, well, with, it also did get a full Atlas score. It did. To be clear, which it helped did. it. Yes. It did. It's it's interesting because I there was a lot of people that I talked to in Charlotte that actually weren't huge fans of how it was put together. Oh, and, really? Yeah. I've yet to hear anything bad about that movie. I hadn't heard anything bad about it until then. And because huh. I thought it did, you know, like I said last time, it does a good job of kind of, you know, bringing, tying everything from the from the the original films kind of in with this this side story, but also being a strong chapter on its own. Right. And uh, I, I loved it personally, but a lot of people had problems, I guess, with um, basically the beginning part of the movie was was where a lot of people had problems with and just kind of the fact that we skipped around from characters and how in previous Star Wars movies, you kind of you stick with one character and then you kind of meet all the other characters as, you know, the character meets them. Uh, and uh, this one did not follow that. Um, that kind of same path as, as the other ones have. And I don't know if it's just kind of like a, a diehard fan look at it and, and wanting it to be more similar to the others and, and it being, you know, this, this separate chapter. Also, I, I, I think some of the, the special effects work. I won't say anything spoilerish in case anyone hasn't seen it yet, but there's a certain actor who is no longer with us that uh, is in the film, and that's a little... Uh-huh. That creeps some people out. Uh. But... Uh, Aside, well, I, I totally want to see it. Okay, sorry, but uh, but uh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, yeah, that's all I was going to say on that. Oh. It's the actually the second big biggest December opening behind last year's uh, Force Awakens, and it actually beats studio expectations, which were set at 150 million, and it's already brought in a gross of 290.5 million worldwide. And in case you're wondering, the production budget it was uh, 200 million to make, so it's already wow already made back and, and and continuing to grow and even with just the the opening night Thursday night screenings alone the movie made 29 million so that's pretty impressive 
But it's it's crazy. I, like, listen, not to be old man McGillicuddy here, but it's amazing just how expensive movies are. I remember well, what year was True Lies? James Cameron's True Lies with Schwarzenegger. Yeah, um, that was like the first movie I think that actually, from a production standpoint, went over a hundred million dollars, and everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, it's crazy!" And now two hundred million dollars. It's almost like for these big tent poles, it's like, well, of course it costs two hundred million dollars. It's crazy. Yeah, so much money. Yeah. It is crazy. It is crazy, and I can't imagine. I mean, you know you're going to make it back with, you know, films like Star Wars, whereas other films are a little bit more of a kind of, I guess, gamble. Um, But, of course, Disney owns Star Wars now, and Disney also owns our number two film, which I'm going to say right this week, Moana. (laughs) Nicely done. (laughs) Which uh, uh, made $11.7 in its fourth week of release, so that one's still going pretty strong. The Georgia filmed Office Christmas Party came in at third with $8.5 million, and premiering in fourth was Will Smith's Collateral Beauty, which opened with $7 million, a production budget of $36 million. I've heard so many not good things about that from various critics and kind of online buzz. I didn't see it. It was the same night as that screening was the same night as my my second screening of La La Land. <laughs> um, so if, if it's a question between any movie and La La Land, I'm going to go see La La Land again. I, we've established that. I yeah, think. I think that's yeah. well established. But um, uh, coming in at fifth was Fantastic Beast uh, with five million in its fifth week of release. And two of the films that are kind of award contenders that are in limited release right now, uh, Manchester by the Sea came in at sixth with four point one million. And that's impressive considering it was only playing at uh, 1,200 theaters across the country. And for comparison, yeah. uh, Rogue One is actually playing in 4,100 theaters across the country. Wow. Um, and coming in seventh was La La Land, which is even more impressing because it had 4 million at a 200 theater. Um, it was only in 200 theaters nationwide. So still not in full release. I think it hits full release on Christmas Day, but it's already going strong considering the the limited release that it's in. Uh, falling to eighth was Arrival, which brought in $2.7 million in its sixth week of release. Um, I'm still noting that because it's one of my favorite films of the year, and it's been in the top five up until now, and um, it's still one that if you haven't seen it, you should definitely see it before the end of the year. It's a, a really great film. Yeah, my, my, my got-to-watch-movie list is expanding so ridiculously, and I think, part you know, it is interesting. Part of the challenge of having a child... Uh, Not a lot of movie nights are taking place. But seriously, I've got like five movies that I really, really want to see that I haven't seen. So I'm going to try and squeeze them in during this holiday break, see if I can pull it off. Because I actually still want to catch uh, Doctor Strange also. Doctor Strange, I think, was in... It was behind. It was behind yeah, arrival just, in ninth, yeah, just I believe. After arrival, so I yeah. think it's still it's still out there. I think in theater land, but it's it's uh it's uh probably very less and less. I think. I think it'll it'll definitely hang around in theaters until after Christmas. Um, of course, we do have some big films coming out next. Of course, Assassin's Creed, um, Passengers, which I saw last night, um, which we're gonna do a review of, is also coming out for for Christmas. And I imagine it's probably high on a lot of people's list to see because it's got Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence in it. And it's a little something for everyone there. Eye candy for the girls and eye candy for the guys. So, <laughs> Well, I, I, that's a, well speaking of candy, uh, what a perfect transition into our uh, official Atlas review of Passengers. Let's do it. Huh? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So do you want to give a quick synopsis of this film? Chris Pratt and... Uh, you know, the attractive lady make out in space? <laughs> um, basically. So um, they're on this spaceship, and they are going to a, uh, a new a new planet, which has been um, colonized, called Homestead 2. And it takes 90 years to get there, um, traveling from Earth. So um, they're in, like, a suspended state of, uh, you know, uh, they're in these pods and they don't wake up until four months before they actually arrive at the new location. And then they get to kind of, you know, um, live the glamorous like cruise ship life on the spaceship for the last four months before they actually land and get to start a new life on this, this new planet. Um, but some things go wrong and, um, 
I'm I'll I'll choose how I describe this carefully because apparently something that none of the Atlanta critics thought was a twist is considered a big twist in the movie. Okay. Um, but some things go wrong, and you can tell from the trailer that that um, Chris Pratt's character and Jennifer Lawrence's character wake up before they were supposed to, and yep. a lot of things happen, and it's chaos. So okay. well, well said. There what you a, go. What a, t- what a twist! There's a story with chaos in it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so uh, from a boredom gauge, one to five, five being really bored. How bored were you? I wouldn't say I was bored. Um, uh, I'll give it a two on the boredom scale. Oh no, not a good start. It's not nah. a bad score, by the way. Five yeah. would be the worst score. Right. So it's it's That's acceptable. True. It's like a solid B, I guess. Uh, B as in bored. Um, <laughs> exactly. Eye roll engage. One to five. Were your eyes rolling out of your head? Five. Oh, five. no! Five out of five for Not eye rolling. Not a good score for eye rolling. Yeah. Why? You know what? What was funny is that they invited a lot of people from... Um, I, I, some, I recognized some people I knew from the aerospace lab at Tech, and I was like, oh, God, watching this, because it's just like you're sitting there and you're like, Science? Where's the science in this? There's some there's some problems here. Um, oh wow! And it's uh, it's funny that they were screening it to that audience. And I kind of I wish I had connected with my friend after after we left because I would have loved to have heard you know from someone that actually works in that field what they what they thought of the film. Um, me, just as someone that loves the world of sci-fi and and loves all things space, um, knew that there was some pretty significant holes in, in what they were um, proposing. And and not, I mean, this kind of gets into the same issues that I had with Interstellar. I don't know if other people are going to actually care about it, but <laughs> I cared about it. Um, that being said, the last, the, the start of the film, and again, it's I can't say a whole lot about why I really love the start of the film, because it does kind of involve this thing right. that they consider to be a twist that, again, I don't think is a twist. Um but towards the end of the film, probably like the last third of the film, um, the dialogue just plummets. And it goes from like um, being something that you're not like, you know, uh, it, it's flowing and it, you're you're kind of in the movie. And even though there's these things that are kind of bothering you because you're like, these aren't scientifically accurate or, or whatever it may be, um, the dialogue becomes so abysmal at, at this point that you're just like, you're totally pulled back out of the film and you're you're overanalyzing everything because uh, right. it's just, it feels so... It, it, it puts a sleight of hand under scrutiny that it would yes. have not been under otherwise, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So it's like, there's like one scene where he's like, we need to find what's broken. And then like, Five seconds later, they're looking at something, and she's like, is it broken? And it's just like, it's the weirdest, most like painful section of dialogue, and it just gets worse from there, and... uh, I don't don't know. There's a a lot of problems, and then just kind of like, uh, with the way their characters handle certain situations, and the fact that, you know, Chris Pratt's character is a, a mechanic, an engineer, and he's uh, obviously a really smart guy and kind of learns a lot during his time on the ship. And then there's just some really dumb things that he does that you're you're like, really? You didn't realize this until now? Like, you did oh, all this other yeah, stuff, yeah. but, like... Yeah. So, yes, it was a 5 out of 5 for eye-rolling for me. That is uh, that is an absolutely horrific score. I, and I would, I would just... Uh, I feel like I'd be right there with you. Uh, if when a movie doesn't follow its own rules, or if it sets up a character that's supposed to be brilliant in the field, and you outsmart him, yeah, that's that's a bad sign. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, so uh, it's kind of weird to ask this question because there's only two people in it. But who performed better? There of are the two. There are more than two people in it. Um, oh. I I won't say say all of this, but um, of course you see from the previews, uh, Michael Sheen is in there as a. Uh, you know, kind of the robotic An android bartender, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he does a great job. Um, obviously, our, our two leads are the ones that, that get all the attention, and they both did a great job. I, I do think that there was a couple points that I felt like Jennifer Lawrence kind of overacted. Um, mm. but Chris Pratt, I, I think he was great throughout. And again, like the script, the script is supposed to be. Um, and I think I've said this before, the script was one of the 
the blacklist scripts in Hollywood, and it was something that people, you know, said was one of the greatest scripts that hadn't been made yet. And I, I think everyone kind of knowing that, or everyone that did know that, had such high expectations for this because how can something be so great in the script and then not translate as well on the screen? And I've, we've seen that happen a number of times, but. Uh, it it's, just... it's 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 funny that you mention that because our Uber driver, because there happened to be an ad for passengers. Well, of course, it's Los Angeles. They're everywhere. And he was going to film school to be a writer. And he said he read the script and said it was amazing. Yeah. But then was like, yeah, but, you know, I it doesn't mean anything in this town. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. That's it's funny. Yeah. I, I would really like to read the script to see if maybe it was, you know, where the problem was. If the problem was in some of the... Uh, if they if they tried to add more to it, or maybe they tried to take away from it, or they changed some of the dialogue, I'd love to to read what the original material was. All right, um, well, moment of truth. After all that, a pretty pretty good score for boredom gauge. <laughs> horrible score for eye rolling. <laughs> uh, what are we giving this thing overall on that official Atlas scale? I'm gonna give it an at. Wow, just yep, a two. Just a two. Just an at. I'm very disappointed. I know. I was very, very excited to see this movie. I was I like, was, ooh, this looks fun. Yeah. I was excited to see it, too. And I will say, small spoiler alert, um, for the for the girls out there, you get to see Chris Pratt's butt. And for the guys out there, you get a little side boob action from, from Jennifer Lawrence. So there's, <laughs> well, there's that that you can look you forward know, to. Depending on how you crop either of those things, you know, depending on your on, on, on the way you... Lay that out with the camera that they could look very similar. <laughs> that's true. On how you crop. That's, yeah, that's, very weird. That's yeah. an odd thing to say, but true. <laughs> it's very, it's very weird. It's very weird. You want know why I know that? Here's why I know that is because usually with my weird name, I get a lot of the Jakai's out there in internet land, which is very annoying. But somebody beat me to Jakai. Uh, uh, YouTube.com forward slash Jakai. I don't even think the account is up anymore. But and it was one video, and it was a guy. With his elbow super close to camera, like smacking it, saying, look at that butt, look at that butt. And then he pulled the camera away, and it was his, his arm bent. Wow. In a way that looked like a butt. So anyways, that's that's <laughs> why I'm like, oh, well, I guess you can actually crop things and make them, uh, you know, look like something else. <laughs> I admit so, it's a little bit of a weird thing. It's a weird thing. <laughs> but, I, but I lived it firsthand. That's why I did not get YouTube.com forward slash Jakai. Anyways, okay, so wow, just an at. Um, just an at. And I will yes. say, you know, it was filmed in Pinewood Studios here, but it was all filmed on sound stages. There's nothing yeah. about this that's, you know, remotely recognizable as being filmed in Georgia. Right. Uh, so not high on, on the Georgia recognition factor either, but it does <laughs> right. have some cool visuals. Um, Oh, I feel like that is like the worst news for any movie. Yeah. In today's day and age, to be like, oh, you know, but the special effects were good. Of course the special effects were good. The special <laughs> effects are always good. This it's 2016. <laughs> Anyways, sorry to sorry to ruin it. Unless we're talking about uh, cropping butts and side boobs. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, I, I make it weird. That's what I do. I like Speaking it. Speaking of making it weird... Angus yes. Palooza is coming up fast. Oh my gosh, so we're finally going to watch Angus... It's going to be tomorrow night. We're going to watch it, and I will. Yeah. We'll we'll be reviewing that on our next podcast. Finally, <laughs> after thirty eight episodes, in our thirty ninth episode, I will have finally seen this movie, and we'll finally be talking about it and reviewing it. I actually watched the trailer um, for the first time. I probably should have watched it like many moons ago, but I watched the trailer for the first time a couple of days ago, and I realized that the girl in it is actually the girl from Jurassic Park, which yes. I thought was funny because I remember watching Jurassic Park within the last year and being like, that girl never did anything else. You know, Wait. she just kind of, if she did, I didn't see it. So it was kind of funny seeing her in this and being like, oh, well, she did two things. <laughs> like, well, wait, is it, wasn't she also the girl in Jumanji? Wasn't she all the, in, in Robin she? Williams' Jumanji? That, that, let's see. Let's see here. Let's look it up. That's such a long time ago. Such a long it's time true. ago. Um, she was all over the 90s, if that was the case. Yeah. I, I still don't know her name. Um, uh, oh, wait, maybe. No, I could be totally wrong. That may have been Kirsten Dunst. It was, a, it, it was, it was. Yeah. It was yep. I'm, a, I'm a horrible idiot. <laughs> 
all blonde ladies look the same. Did anybody ever tell you that? Okay. Uh, so, so what was I thinking? It looks like, um, I'm looking at her now, um, Ariana Richards is her name, the girl that was in Jurassic Park, and she, the last thing that she was in um, was, she was in a TV movie in 98, Tremors 3, which went straight to, to video in 2001, and then something called Battle Dogs in 2013, so it kind of mm. seems like she's pieced out of the Hollywood scene. yeah. Sometimes people just clock out of Hollywood. Rick Moranis, who I had this picture of, oh, that guy must be just depressed and retired somewhere. He was on like a Nerdist podcast, and he's fine. He's just like, I didn't want to do it anymore. I've raised my kids. I mean, I guess if the right project came around, I'd still do it, but there's some people that just clock out. Yeah. So nothing weird about it. Even the, uh, the little girl in Aliens, they mostly come out at night. Mostly. Heard you know the movie Aliens? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Know, I know the movie Aliens. She only did that one thing, and now she's like a teacher. I think that's awesome to be the little girl in Aliens that then went on to have a pretty normal life. So yeah. that's fun. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yep. It's a cool Anyways, story. Spe- speaking of Angus, it all comes back. To, it all uh, comes back. Who was absolutely not Kristen, Kristen Dunst in that film. <laughs> Kristen Dunst, yeah. It's uh, it's it's cool. I'm actually looking at the IMBD for it now, trying to see if there's anyone else. I didn't. Oh, Kathy Bates is in it, too. Kevin Connolly. Mm-hmm going to be lots of probably people that I'm like, oh, I know who that person is. Yeah, yeah. It's right, it's right, in, the, uh, right in the sweet spot. So yeah. again, hopefully after all that, it won't suck. Hopefully I haven't built it up beyond disrepair. I, I have really so. high expectations for this movie. <laughs> no at, at this, pressure. At this point, you probably should, to be fair. <laughs> Not that I've had a hand in creating any of them. <laughs> so very exciting times. Well, cool. Well, we will uh, we'll talk about that next week, and uh, it'll be a special retro throwback review, um, which is good because I don't actually have any other screenings for the rest of the year, although I do have a stack of screeners uh, that I have to vote on for the Georgia Film Critics Association, so um, we'll be reviewing some of the Oscar contenders like Moonlight and Captain Fantastic and... A bunch of others, so we'll have that over the next couple of weeks. Hooray, the finale of the year next year, or next week, whatever time-space continuum you're into. Time-measuring way to measure time in words. Anyways, that's all I've got. What an exciting episode. (laughs) That's all I've got, too. Yep. So um, we'll see you guys next week for our last episode of 2016. And we hope you guys have an awesome Christmas and safe holiday. And uh, again, my name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at Campbell. My name is Jakai Mickelson, Contract Designer and Independent Filmmaker. And we'll see you guys next week. Boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka.